Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. G'day and welcome. This is the Hunting Republic podcast. The podcast where we discuss all things hunting and outdoors. And buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore. Taking your breath, stealing your mind. And all that was real is left behind. So if you love hunting, camping, fishing, hiking, bushwalking, full driving, or just being in the outdoors, then we reckon you've come to the right place. My name is Luke, I will be your host, and I can't wait to have you along for the journey. So please enjoy this edition of the Hunting Republic Podcast. G'day team, welcome to another episode of the Hunting Republic podcast and uh, today we are going back to the discussion that I instigated uh, in December um, asking for people's input with regards to their opinions on the top 10 hunting commandments. So what would be the 10 commandments of hunting that they would like to follow, that they would expect others to follow? And that, you know, um, they, they think is a good idea to have people adhere to or at least uh, consider when they're out um, in the outdoors hunting. So uh, joining me today uh, for a different perspective is my good mate, Brett. You've heard me uh, mention Brett a few times on various podcasts. And uh, what else do you do on a lazy Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock but knock off early, talk shit, and... Uh, and uh, jump on a podcast. So welcome, Brady. Thanks, mate. Good to be here. I, uh, I th- thought I'd ask Brett to come on the podcast today, uh, primarily because Brett's pretty new to hunting, and I thought that when we're um, discussing the content of these Ten Commandments, it might be an idea to um, to get Brady on and to have that discussion around the fact that, um, you know, I guess a new, a new person's to hunting and their perspective rather than someone who's been doing it for a while. Absolutely. So um, let's, let's dive right in. Alrighty, so for those um, people who caught the post that I made on social media, what I did was um, I had the idea back in December uh, to, to ask for people's input um, with regards to what they thought might be, um, you know, their their top ten or their top number one or whatever, with regards to what they think is extremely important with regards to uh, hunting and those things they should might abide by. Uh, we had a bunch of different people um, write in uh, and give feedback and comment on on the posts that I put in different groups and on the page. So we had uh, shout-outs. We got uh, Owen K, Maddie Haynes, Mitchell Foster, Mick Arnold, uh, Michael Van West, Andrew Benton, Luke Sandrusi. Hope I said that right. Ian Potter, Chris Milburn, Kane Muller, Chad Logan, Rowan Hutcher, Paulina Vlasova. Hope I said that correctly. Lachlan Carnell, Rebecca Ward, Arthur Alchin or Alkin. Um, have I got? Two from Rebecca Ward. Yes, two comments. Excellent. Thanks, Beck. Um, Feral Animal Solutions Australia, Dean Lickenblatt, or Lichenblatt, or Lysenblatt, uh, Christian Borgie, Matt Lawrence, Ryan Campling, 
and Brad Pine. So a bunch of comments there. And what I did, guys, was I actually grabbed all of your uh, comments and suggestions and I actually got a bit lazy, to be honest. I threw them into chat GPT and I asked for a summary. And the summary that we came out with is what we're going to go down the top 10. So the first thing we're going to do before we dive into that is we're going to put the pressure on Brett and say, Brett, you want to introduce yourself to the Hunting Republic podcast listeners and tell us a bit about yourself, mate. Uh, thanks, Luke. Um, so lived in Bundaberg most of my life, central Queensland local. Um, got into the sport of hunting thanks to you uh, roughly three, three and a half years ago. You can't blame me for it. <laughs> um, and it was not an off thing to start with. So I, I used to be pretty heavily involved in the Scout Association for many years. So target shooting was a, was a big thing. Uh, was no stranger to a bow. Um, mainly recurves and things like that with relatively light poundage, 25 to 30 pound bows, that sort of thing. Um, always fascinated by compounds and uh, what, what you guys were doing with them. Um, so, you know, once you guys had re-established yourselves in the area, you, you dragged me along on a couple of outings and um, I, it's fair to say I was pretty well hooked from day one as soon as I had that compound in my hand. Um, that was it. Um, still yet to get that elusive first trophy, but um, we're working on it and time out in the bush is always uh, always worthwhile. And that's the thing, isn't it? Like, um, it's not for the want of trying, that's for sure. We've uh, we've spent a lot of time in this grub. We just yeah. we've had Murphy turn up a few times, <laughs> and um, and he uh, has certainly made the buttered bread land with the butter side down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just been the luck of the draw so far with, with the way it's uh, unfolded uh, with with us when we've been out there uh, doing lots of miles and. Um, trying to put all the pieces together. And we've been close a few times and closer a few other times. Yep. Um, but I think everybody listening certainly knows that, um, you know, it's it's not a uh, – uh, we're choosing to use the bow is, is choosing to do it, you know, uh, slightly harder. Um, you know, it's a bit easier than throwing rocks, but uh, it's, it's still is it's definitely a big part of that. Challenges. That's yep. right. It's the, it's the, you know, huge parts is, is the challenge. So – you know, there's. Um, I guess there there might be a little bit of overlap here with regards to your opinions on, uh, you know, the, the 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 top ten that we have here, um, and what my opinions are because yeah, you've you've pretty much jumped into hunting, um, with me, uh, and and tagged along, and come along with me out in the scrub, um, as your primary influence, I suppose. Um, but at the same time, you're a big boy. You've got your own opinions, and and you know, I'm happy to share them with the public. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, safety first is the number one. So that's the first thing that people have or that the, the, the list has come up with. Um, that doesn't mean it's the highest priority. That's just number one on the list, safety first. Um, and look, I think that goes without saying. Um, I, uh, I personally will say that I've done lots and lots of hunting uh, in the solo capacity over the years. Um, and um, when I do, every single um, step is considered um, before I place it um, with regards to safety. And to the point where, you know, um, I think that you f- yourself know that when I go out, you know, um, first and foremost is, is something that I, I regularly harp on about. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> 
Um, but I think with our backgrounds too, you know, like having grown up, as you said, in, in the in scouts and that together, and and having done a whole lot of this outdoor stuff in various formats, um, we, we're both of the same mindset there. One hundred percent. Yep. I think it, I think it's um, probably second nature to both of us in our day to day jobs too. Um, you know, I, uh, I cover a lot of kilometres, do a lot of highway driving all over Queensland, um, and and you and your various tasks in emergency services. You know, we um, safety is a high priority for us in our jobs, so I think. It's easy for us to carry that over into our lifestyle pursuits as well. Most definitely. Um, and when you when you see the outcome of those, um, the you know where things go pear shaped, I suppose on a frequent basis. And and I know firsthand that you've come across it and a, a number of incidents on the highways in your travels over the years. Um, it certainly makes you reconsider um, what you do, when you do, and how you do it. Yep. So one of the other things I did with ChatGPT as we you know, head into 2024 and embrace technology as it comes upon us, is uh, is actually um, I asked ChatGPT to generate some conversation around this. So I thought it might serve as a, as, a, as a bit of a, a test guinea pig for us, but also it might um, just give us a, a bit of um, food for thought, I suppose. So for safety, ChatGPT came up with the following. Um, I'll try and summarise because there's... It's half a page worth of stuff here. Um, the first commandment of hunting is perhaps the most crucial. Safety first. Every firearm must be treated every, as if it is loaded. Never pointed at anything you don't intend to shoot. And the same can go for bows, but it's a little bit more obvious, I suppose. Safety is not negotiable. It is incumbent upon every hunter to prioritise safety above all else. Safety is paramount in hunting. is not just a guideline. Imagine you're at the woods, firearm in hand, scanning the horizon for your prey. In that moment, what matters most? It's not the thrill of the hunt or the anticipation of a successful shot. It's ensuring safety of yourself, your fellow hunters, and anyone else in the vicinity. And as you know, we, we like to say in industry and um, and whatnot these days, it's everyone shouldn't get to go home at the end of it. Absolutely. Yep. Um, safety isn't just about yourself. It's about safeguarding the future of hunting as a whole. Accidents and negligence tarnish the reputation of hunters everywhere and provide ammunition to those who seek to restrict our rights. Let's educate ourselves and others about proper firearm handling and safety protocols when in the bush. And let's lead by example. Show the world that hunters are responsible stewards of the land and guardians of safety in the great outdoors. What do you reckon? I think it's good. Um, That's pretty well spot on. Uh, One of the things I think uh, that was important for me when, when we first started getting... Um, myself out there a couple of years ago was um, getting used to the surroundings and not just being aware of who was nearby with another bow, um, but also what was going on around us. You know, was there a danger of wild animals, all that sort of thing? Yep. Um, was there inherent risks on the property that we were on? Um, so that was a huge eye opener for me. Uh, and I think I think Jack GPT summed it up pretty well. <laughs> it, I, I think I think the the, the best um, the best part there is, um, or certainly not the best, but a very important part is about safeguarding the future. And accidents and negligence tarnish the reputation of hunters everywhere. You know, um, we've all heard of, of people being kicked off properties because they were being dickheads. And commonly, you know, it's not um, unusual to hear a farmer comment about them being unsafe. And that be with their conduct, with either their vehicles, uh, their firearms, their dogs, 
um, you know, even with, with the use of a campfire and, and being irresponsible at the wrong time of year with fire, um, things like that. So at the end of the day, um, you know, it's an environment where small problems can become big problems in a big hurry. And um and I, and I don't think it's something that that should be you know taken lightly. Safety is definitely right up there because if you can't be safe, you know you, you know the the consequences are just yeah just not. Yeah, worth it. particularly as you say with the the spotlight on our industry, you know we're we're probably under a bigger microscope than just about any leisure pastime that exists at yep. the moment or any sport. Yeah, that's it. Number two. Respect property. Yeah. 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 This is a, a big one for me. Absolute huge. Um, it's it, it's an absolute privilege to, to be able to gain access to a lot of these properties. And we all know how hard that is, particularly in um, areas where you can't hunt in public land, on public land in state forests and things like that. So we tend to treasure those connections and those relationships we have with landholders. Absolutely. Um, so that for me is right up there, and I'd put it in equal paring with safety. Really, you know, protecting those relationships and doing the right thing by the people that are allowing us to to pursue our interests. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Couldn't have said it better. Um, you know, at the end of the day, and 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 we've we've all heard it said. You know, we're we're being welcomed onto properties that are someone's backyard. It doesn't matter if it's. You know, five hundred square meters, or five thousand acres, or fifty thousand acres, or five hundred thousand acres. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's someone's backyard, and it's their it's, it's their place of business too. You know, oh, it's, absolutely, it's, it's their livelihood. That's um, right. So they have a right to go about their day to day, and um, mm. we have a responsibility um, to to honour that. Yeah, absolutely, and, and you know, to respect the fact that um, their rules are the rules that we abide by um, without question. Mm-hmm. Um, that we, you know, make sure we don't do anything that could uh, encumber them with with cost or yep. loss, um, with regards to livestock or or um, crops or, or you know infrastructure or whatever. Um, you know, not not driving on certain tracks like you know when, when we were out west just just the other month and it was as muddy as yeah you know and um, <laughs> there there were certain roads that I avoided and others I knew that were okay to drive on yep. because they're they're rarely trafficked by the property owner for anything of decent note anyway. So I think I think the other thing there too is um, in, in life we know if people have a negative experience, they tell 10 people. Mm. Um, positive experience, they tell one. Um, so the last thing you want to do is upset a landowner that's granted you access and have him tell 10 of his mates. And yeah, that just shuts gates on all of us. That, exactly, yep, 100%. Which ironically, um, gate etiquette is number five. <laughs> <laughs> So what does ChatGPT have to say about respecting property? Respecting property boundaries is not just a courtesy, it is a fundamental principle of hunting ethics. When we step onto someone else's land, we're entering into a sacred trust with the landowner and it's our duty to uphold that trust with the utmost respect. Um, imagine for a moment that you're a landowner responsible for stewarding a piece of wilderness that has been your family for generations. You've invested time, money and effort into maintaining its beauty and preserving its wildlife as well as obviously, as we said, you know, sort of that's that's our source of income and our yep. livelihood. Yep. Now imagine discovering that strangers or other people have trespassed on your property without permission, disregarding your rules and boundaries. Um, which points to making sure we obtain permission. Obviously, hunting on private land, obtaining permission, um, 
It's not just a matter of legalities, but showing respect for the landowner's rights and wishes. By seeking commission, permission, we acknowledge their authority over property and recognise their role as stewards. I don't think Jet GPT's been listening to us. <laughs> oh, Skynet. Pretty no. much verbatim what we've just <laughs> talked about. <laughs> Once granted access, it is essential to adhere to the landowner's rules and boundaries without question. Whether it's designated hunting areas, restricted zones, or specific times of day, these rules exist for a reason and it is our responsibility to follow them diligently. Uh, and that's a good point too, because it's you know it's it's paramount that um, and I don't I don't think anyone out there wouldn't check in with the owner in some fashion when they yep. rock up to a property. Either that being, you know, I, I know I've hunted on some properties where where you camp and hunt is you know way down the back, and you can access that via a different road. You don't necessarily have to drive around to the other side of the property or whatever. And or like in our experience in our last yep. trip, the property owner was away on holidays, um, but. You know, th- there's been occasion where they've said, "Oh, look, you know, we've got cattle in in this paddock, or we've got this crop in there, or whatever," and and they've they've said, "Oh, you know, just stay away from that area," or yep. you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, making sure you follow those rules and, and making sure that you've touched base to find out what's changed since you were out there last time. Being the eyes and ears too, you know, if you if you see something on the property that you don't think's right, um, report it back to the. Some you breaks, Brady. That's coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're shooting ahead of us here, mate. <laughs> um, so, uh, but back to the script, respecting property rights is not just about following the letter of the law. It's about fostering positive relationships with landowners that go beyond the hunting season. By demonstrating our respect to the property, we build trust and goodwill that can lead to long-lasting partnerships and continue access to hunting opportunities. So, yeah, I think... I think it's just saying, you know, like do the right bloody thing and be Correct. a good human. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And um, and as as I've heard on other other podcasts before, just be just be a good human. Yep. It's not it's not rocket science, is it? Point number three. This is a this is a this could be a can of worms. <laughs> Ethical shots. Yes. yes. Okay. So, so probably a tough one for me as someone who's new to hunting. Um, I spend probably. I would say three to four hours every week just throwing arrows at a target. Um, and to me, it's... Um, Haven't I shown you how to shoot him yet? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're always doing something wrong. <laughs> it's really hard to hold the bow. No wonder you can't hit a pig. <laughs> um, to me, yeah, shot placement's huge. You know, Being comfortable with um, putting that arrow in the same spot every time. Um, I've... As you mentioned earlier, we've had the opportunity to stalk up on a few packs of pigs and and be very close. Um, And the one thing that runs through my mind, um, especially a couple of times where we've been close, was I just want to make this right. You know, I don't I don't want to I don't want this animal to suffer, and um, I don't want to be the guy who gives it a permanent injury. Potentially, it runs off into the scrub and dies a slow, painful death. Absolutely. and you know, and this this uh, ties in well with um, if my my rant episode there, um, not last not last episode, the one before, yeah. And you know, the, the there is no excuse for not being good at what you're in control of, exactly. And that is that is shooting an accurate arrow or an accurate bullet, um, and and doing that to the to affect and humane and kill as possible. Um, to minimise minimise suffering, and it is the perennial um, slight on hunting 
that, you know, are not doing so and broadcasting it to the world because you basically don't have a freaking clue um, is, is, is the one of the biggest, probably the biggest tarnish, yep. um, second to maybe, or sorry, uh, the only thing second to that would be probably be, be you know, poaching. Yeah. We, we've all seen over the years, haven't we, the images when someone takes a photo of a kangaroo with an arrow sticking out of it, and that mm-hmm. makes national news. And that that reflects badly on all of us, unfortunately. Yep. Me personally, um, even though I haven't had a kill yet, uh, I would rather walk away from a shot if I wasn't confident mm. and chalk it up to, okay, I've had the experience stalking the animal. Mm. Um, that's That's paramount to me. I think that's... Um, you know, no questions asked. That's it. And look, even even that you know, the the first stalk that you ever did, you know, you got into what ten, twelve meters. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe it was fifteen. It was very close. I don't know. The heart was pounding harder <laughs> than a jackhammer at that point. So. <laughs> it wasn't your heart that was pounding from where I was watching. <laughs> um, but you know, like we we pushed in hard to get into that distance, and and realistically, we did it quite comfortably. Yeah. But yeah, Murphy showed up, and things didn't pan out. As we had liked, but at the same time, you know, knowing that you were well within your comfort zone, you know, is a big confidence thing, you know. And then the next time, you know, having done that already now, the next time you you see the opportunity, you know what's possible. Yeah, yeah. And I think once um, once I'd had a couple of stalks like that, um, and you've lost the the shaking limbs and the and the deep shallow, or sorry, the shallow breath, you lose that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, thinking later on when we went on a couple of following hunts and, and got up close and personal with a few, um, was thinking more about the shot, thinking yeah. more about where I was going to get that animal, if if it was achievable and if it wasn't just going, okay, what else can I get out of this now? Yeah, 100%. So let's have a look. Ethical shots from ChatGPT. Ethical hunting demands precision and restraint. Self-control, ultimately. Only taking shots you're certain of, ensuring a clean and humane kill, whether it is waiting for the perfect angle or passing up on the shot altogether. Ethical hunters prioritize the welfare of the animal above all else. And that is oh, sometimes one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, where uh, the instance is either A, you're first, or B, you know, in the case if you, you, it's the, the, the stag of a lifetime or the pig of a lifetime or the hunt of a lifetime or you just don't get to go very often. You know, yep. Sometimes it's it's a very hard thing to do. Ethical hunting is not about just harvesting game. It is about ensuring a clean, humane kill. The principle lies at the heart of the commandment of ethical shots, that being commandment number three in this list. Ethical hunters understand that patience and restraint are paramount. They prioritise the welfare of the animal above all else. Um, it's repeating itself. Uh, they know that taking a risky shot increases the likelihood of wounding rather than killing the animal swiftly and humanely. It's a sign of respect for the animal. By waiting for the right moment, hunters demonstrate their reverence for the life they're about to take. It is a moment of connection between predator and prey rooted in the ancient traditions of hunting. Ethical shots go beyond just waiting for the perfect opportunity. It means knowing your own limits as a hunter. That's a bloody good point. Absolutely. If you're not confident in your ability to make a clean kill, it's better to hold off and wait for another opportunity. There will always be another hunt, but there's no replacing the life of an animal needlessly lost to a poorly placed shot. Or more to the point, there's no replacing or no cure for the suffering apart from doing the right thing and putting the effort in to dispatch that animal. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ultimately, ethical hunting is more than just pulling the trigger or shooting an arrow. It's about making responsible choices that reflect their values as hunting as hunters, um, and about respecting the, the animals we pursue. Yep, hundred percent. You know, so I, I think it's become more. Um, it's more of a discussion in recent years with respect for the animal and that you are, you know, as as Optimus Prime says, we're, we're killing sentient beings. Yep. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's really encouraging when you look at a lot of the groups now that you and I are members of, uh, particularly on social media and the like, um, that it is a conversation that's first and foremost these days. Uh, a lot of people want to practice ethical hunting. It's, it's a primary discussion piece people are talking about how to kill ethically and, and do the right thing um you know we know that there's always going to be rogues that'll tarnish us a little bit but um slowly but surely i see the the odds swaying in our favor and i think um the, the more conversations we have around it um the more it pushes those idiots away yeah and i heard the discussion the other day with regards to um on um uh, the becoming a biohunter podcast about um using a multi-pin uh, site versus a single pin site on your yep. bow, um, and you know, bow hunting particularly in this case, the the discussion was regards to that some people use a single pin site and they set it at whatever their ethical limit is that they know that their abilities are, are more than adequate to affect a humane shot. Yep. And um, I hadn't thought about it in that regard before, um, but I know in in the past when I have used single pin sites, they were set to thirty meters, but that's my that's my hunting distance anyway, yeah. irrespective. Yeah. You know, these days I use the Garmin A1 and I've got, actually got that out to calibrators of 65 or 55 metres. But the only reason I've done that, A, so when I go and shoot ABA rounds, it doesn't come back and say, it's not calibrated, so you can't <laughs> shoot it and just have a wild guess. Because um, I don't like guessing with $55 arrows. Um, <laughs> and But also for the fact that, you know, things don't always go right and sometimes you do need a follow-up arrow and sometimes... You need to shoot that at distance. Yep. And so the um, the ability to shoot at that 55 or 65 metres makes a difference, you know. Yep. Which, again, comes back to, I guess, knowing your ability too, doesn't it? Absolutely. At the end of the day, you know, there's there's no way I'd consider a shot like that at, at my level. Um, I'm probably effective to 20 to 25 metres at the moment. Mm. Um, but someone like yourself who's been hunting for a very long time, absolutely. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's, yeah, again... Knowing that limit, can I take that shot if I have to? Yes. Mm-hmm. Will I take that shot if I have a choice to get closer? No. Yeah. And I've said for twenty years now, for me, you know, I want to see if I can take that next step and get closer every time. Yep. Can I get closer? Can I get closer? And if the answer comes up, oh, I think so, then I'm going to do it just for shits. Yeah. <laughs> I blame that many storks trying to do it. It's not funny, but for me, that's that's the challenge: is how close can I get inside that animal's comfort zone without yep. it knowing I'm there? Yeah. You know, and if that's you know, I've, I've I've shot goats with arrows hardly come up the string before, you yeah. know, and and I've I've shot pigs where I've seen their eyes blink, you know, like they've yeah. been that close. So it's it's always good fun. <laughs> Point number four, and uh, leave no trace. Yes, leave no trace. Leave no trace. Um, you and I are very familiar with this, um, having been campers, four wheel drivers, um, outdoors kind of people our whole lives. Um, I would I would go further than leave no trace and actually leave the property or the spot better than you found it. Um, you know that's that's always been our ethos when we've been out together, right back to when you and I were thirteen, fourteen year olds mm. running around the bush too. So 
Um, You're telling people how old they are. <laughs> but I think, you know, <laughs> oh dear. Um, you know, I think it's it's critical, and uh, we see, unfortunately, particularly in this region that you and I live in, we're seeing national parks at threat of closure because yep. campers and four drivers are doing the wrong thing. Um, so we as hunters need to absolutely make sure you know we leave the place better than we found it. Mm. Comes back to what I sort of said earlier. Um, if you see something on a property, it costs nothing. Well, it, it's a minimal cost if you see a fence strand down or something like that to you know do the right thing while you're there. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I mean, yeah, staying like we do, you know, out, out at Marrow, we go out and stay in the, in the workers' cottages and that. You know, we always tidy it up, leave it in a very nice condition, you know, irrespective of how we found it or whatever. You Usually know. donate a few beers to the... Yeah, leave, leave the leftovers <laughs> in the fridge. Mostly because we can't look at them by the time we leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know, yeah, things like that. All, and obviously, if you're camping, it's a no-brainer as well. You Absolutely. know, you, you just it's not that hard to take a, a bag, you know, with you and put all your stuff in it or your... your um, what they call the bags you put on the back of your utes these days and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. It comes back to that respect piece, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, respecting your environment and knowing, well, you know, if you trash the freaking joint, you're not going to get allowed back on there. No. So, you know, you're kicking yourself in the ass if you if you don't do the right thing. Um, but also, I, I think that that comes down to, um, you know, when you are out and, and you're hunting and you pull up for, a you know, a muesli bar, I know I run, I, I don't on my bracken wear pants because I don't have cargo pockets as such. But back in the day when I had the, um, just the old Oz cams, I would always have one pack, one of my map pockets, my cargo pockets on my right leg was my rubbish pocket. Yeah. Yep. You know, and that's, that was just all my wrappers always went in that pocket. And at the end yep. of the day, I just pull it out and throw it in the rubbish bag back yep. to camp. Usually for me, it's one of the pockets on the pack. And it's yep. always great when you find that rubbish pocket. When you go out for your next hunt, you forgot to empty it from the last one. So. It's like finding the melted Freddo Absolutely. frogs, isn't it? Exactly. There's not too many Vegemite sandwiches left in there usually. But. Um, ChatGPT says, leaving no trace is a fundamental principle of responsible hunting. Pack out everything you bring in, including shell casings, rubbish, and other waste. By minimizing our impact on the environment, we preserve the natural beauty of our hunting grounds for future generations. Leaving no trace is more than just a mantra. It's a fundamental principle of responsible hunting and emphasizes the importance of minimizing our impact on the environment. Packing out everything you bring in, your shell casings, your rubbish, da da da. It repeats that. It does that. I'm noticing a trend here. Yes. Yep. It's interesting. Uh, we preserve the natural beauty of our surroundings and protect the delicate ecosystems that sustain it. That's a good point. Respecting yeah, the absolutely. environment. Avoiding unnecessary disturbances to the environment, such as damaging vegetation or disturbing wildlife, is essential to minimising our impact on the land. I think that could also lead into um, disturbing livestock. Yeah, hundred percent. Because you know, farmers obviously prefer, say, for example, cattle that are quiet Mm -hmm. um, rather than they're restless and 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 hard to handle. And if you go belting about a property and disturbing cattle and and disturbing livestock, be them horses or goats or sheep, whatever they are. You're going to piss off that farmer, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then, you know, if they bust through fences or whatever, then you, you're also, you know, going to be end up in the shit anyway. So yep. you're not respecting, and you're definitely not leaving. No, you're not 
adhering to leaving no trace. Correct, yeah. Yep. That was hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> we got there at the end. <laughs> um, by adhering to the principle of leave no trace, we demonstrate our commitment to conservation and environmental stewardship. And, and without getting on the green bag wagon, you know, we're hunters. We, we love the bush. We love the environment. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is part of it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like, that's self-explanatory, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I like this bit. But also honouring the legacy of those who come before us and ensuring that future generations can experience the same awe-inspiring wilderness that we do today. <laughs> oh. I don't know how awe-inspiring it is sometimes. We're walking through waste-high <laughs> nut grass. <laughs> <laughs> and mud and <laughs> shit. It's all part of it. <laughs> Here we go. Gate etiquette. Uh-huh. Ah, the basics of gate etiquette are what, Brady? Uh, leave it as you found. No, it's not hard, eh? Absolutely. And um, that goes for whether you're on the property hunting, whether you're traversing to your hunting site. Um, and this comes back to knowing your property owner and respecting your property owner to have a chat to them. Um, we've found a couple of times on the place that we frequent, um, we've been okay to go through gates, sometimes leave them open, um, but generally the rule of thumb where we go is if you find it closed, keep it closed. Uh, yeah, and it's it's not hard, right? Like it's Even if you're by yourself, it takes 15 seconds to get out of the ute, go back and close the gate. And it's even better when you're the gate bitch. Absolutely, when you're like me and you, and you get stuck slopping through the mud. and Dropping yeah, your phone. Dropping my phone, <laughs> driving up the road, realising it, having got it half an hour later. Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's surprising that it's a concept that I think people who uh, maybe didn't grow up as we both have knocking about on properties and farms yeah. and stuff like that. You know, I can remember dad teaching me as a kid, you know, to, um, you know, leave a gate as you found it mm-hmm. and explaining why. Yeah. Um, and, you know, of course that explanation helped it make a whole lot of sense, you know, and, and there's a bunch of, a bunch of reasons why, but the one that I was told as, as a, you know, six year old was, you know, if, if the, the gates open, um, it's there for a reason to, yeah. you know, might be to let the cattle through to get to water. And if you shut that gate, then they can't get there. They, they might, you know, they might die of dehydration. Yep. And, and conversely, if you leave a gate open, they could potentially get into a wheat crop and cause $100,000 worth of damage. Exactly. So, um, yeah, common sense. And even if you are, um, you know, pursuing game and you you, know, you might be in a hurry, um, be that with, you, you, with pig dogs or, or whatever yep. it is that you're doing, you know, you still take that. Extra ten seconds, and you shut the damn gate, um, because once again, you you know you're kicking yourself in the ass if you don't. I always found it's a good sense check too, uh, particularly on the properties that we hunt on. You know, you get out, open and close the gate, gives you a chance to sort of stop, take stock of the surroundings, yeah. and um, you know you, you never know where you're going to see a hunt. You never where you're going to see an opportunity. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the simple act of getting out, opening a gate, and closing it. Having a look around, um, I know you and I from personal experience, it's led to a couple of where we parked the ute and then stalked off into the bush because we've seen evidence of pigs. Yep, yep, yeah, hundred percent. It's like it was, you know, what springs to mind is we um, we stopped and, and cracked those two hairs last time. Yeah, There's a couple absolutely. of gates there. You know, we weren't opening gates at the time, but because yep. we knew the hairs were there, we were actually yep. pulled up to go and see if we could find them, and we did. Um, but you know. How many times have we driven up to those gates yeah. and 
the chances of looking around and seeing those those hairs on that corner yep. every time sort of thing, yep. you know. Um, and then, again, at that particular gully, as you know, down to, to the right of that creek there, there's um, there's been a dingo seen there by the property owner a number of times and we've seen the signs of pigs down there. So, yep. yeah, it's um, it just makes a whole lot of sense. So, Chad GPT says, oh, look at that. Always leave gates as you found them. Closed <laughs> if closed, open if open, and never change their position. Uh, by respecting gate etiquette, we demonstrate our commitment to maintaining order and safety on private property. Uh, but having said that, the same goes on public lands too. Yeah. You know, um, in state forests, they will have those gates closed and open for a reason. Yep. And in state forests where, uh, I don't know exactly all the rules across the, the states in, in Australia, but I know there could be leaseholds over certain areas. Um, whether there's hunting allowed there or not, I don't know. But, you know, you could be on a block that has no leasehold and you hunt there and you might traverse through a leasehold block to get to another one where you can hunt. Well, if you leave those gates open, then the cattle farm is not going to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then also, obviously, the, the, the state forest workers, they've got their plans, their reasons or whatever yep. else. They're not going to be happy either. So they'll look up who was there last, and yep. who had the permit for the weekend or the week, and they're going to come knock it on your door. Yep. Um, gate etiquette might seem like a simple concept, but its significance goes far beyond mere courtesy. It's a matter of responsibility and respect for both the landowner and the environment. Adhere to a few simple rules, as we said, leave them as you found them. It's as simple as that. It's not hard. Um, leaving it closed could lead to, sorry, leaving gate open that's meant to be closed could lead to escape livestock, compromise security, and even accidents. Conversely, a Closing a gate that's meant to be open can disrupt the natural flow of wildlife, impeding access for other hunters and create unnecessary obstacles for landowners. That just makes a whole lot of freaking sense. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, that's just common sense. All right, we've done half the list. Awesome. We're flying, mate. That's like half an hour. <laughs> what do you reckon number six is? Could you remember? Uh, was it something to do with property owners? <laughs> or possibly <laughs> it's something it's it's a concept that's a bit more relevant in modern hunting mm-hmm. um, and modern farming of biosecurity yeah so yeah. not something that 20 years ago was really on on the radar of, of many hunters that I know of mm-hmm. or, or something that was discussed a lot um, but a very high um, uh, of high importance these days yep um <clears throat> One of my previous jobs took me onto farms quite regularly, delivering industrial supplies, gas bottles and things like that. Um, the biggest piece of advice I can give to anyone if they're not from a rural area or if they don't spend a lot of time in rural areas is those biosecurity signs they put on the front gates of farms. They don't put them there for shits and giggles. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, it's really important, especially with the how easy it is to convey diseases across properties um, that can affect cattle, sheep, livestock in general, um, even the biosecurity risks that can devastate crops and destroy livelihoods. So um, I think it's on every single one of us if we're walking onto a property to understand before you go on that on that land, um, talk to the owner and go, what do I need to do? What precautions do I need to take? So, yeah, absolutely. And be aware of what... Um uh, I guess what biosecurity type um, things are endemic to the areas you're in. Yes, yep. you know, like out where we, we go at Marrow with the Parthenium weed and stuff. You know, yep. being aware of that, and they're not um, 
you know, heavy cotton growing area too, so yes. a lot of risks there. Yep. But, you know, making sure you're not the, the vector for transmitting yes. that then from one place to another. Um, coming home, making sure you, you, you're doing the right thing before you go out to a different property because mm-hmm. um, you, you don't want to spread that stuff around. But also, you know, I think biosecurity with regards to um, uh, moving animals or game or carcasses or you know that sort of stuff too you yep. know spreading disease about on the property irrespective yep. you know if you've um if you've shot a, an animal making sure you don't leave it in a in a waterway or in a in a um in a you know dam or whatever or in a proximity where it could cause issues for either the farm or the farmer's stock or or anything like that yep. as well even like the farmer's dogs and stuff you know yes yeah um that sort of that sort of thing too i think is is very important to consider um, chat gpt says biosecurity awareness is essential for protecting both wildlife and human health follow biosecurity protocols to minimize the spread of disease and invasive species by taking proactive measures we safeguard the integrity of ecosystems and ensure the longevity of our hunting traditions spot on yep yep um and and we're very fortunate in this country too in that um you know we don't we don't while we do have the um, concerns of biosecurity, um, we, we're still protected because we're an island. We have yeah. things like um, foot and mouth and all that sort of stuff. That, yeah. That we- also, if, you know, if you're hunting on larger properties anywhere here in Australia, uh, it's pretty easy to adhere to the biosecurity standards on each farm because you, you don't tend to be going from one property to another. You tend to be on a place um, there for a day or several days or whatever you're there for. So. Um, yeah, I think that's that's where it comes back to really understanding from the landowner what's required and, and how to minimise the risks. Yep, one hundred percent. And it's not hard, you know. Wash your car when you get home, clean yep. your boots off, that sort of stuff. Um, and and you know, making sure, therefore, again, respecting the environment, respecting nature, so that yep. it's it's where we want it and how we want it the next time we go. Yep. Point seven. Here we go. We finally we finally caught up to you, Brett. <laughs> Report back. Yeah. yeah. In other words, keep in touch with yeah. the property owner. Keep in touch with people to let them know where you are. You want to view that property owner like you would view your superior at work, a boss, or something like that. You know, it's it's particularly if you don't have history with them. If if you're on a property that you've um, just recently gained access to. Uh, you want to build that trust with that property owner as quickly as you can and being their eyes and ears. Uh, you know, you can walk onto some of these properties and I know of one out near Longreach where it takes two and a half hours to drive from one side of the property to the other. Just a small place? Or just a small place. When you're drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, <laughs> four hours when you're drunk. Oh, right. <laughs> um, yeah, it, some of these properties are so big, these guys do boundary checks in helicopters. Um, yeah. So they're not eyes and ears on every bore, on every every piece of fence, every gate. Um, and a lot of those guys do rely on some of the guys hunting on their properties to come back and say, hey, I noticed this, take some photos, do that sort of thing. You know, I think if you can become an extension of the, what the property owner needs, then they're more than likely going to welcome you back with open arms next time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, spot on. And, and you know, seeing seeing issues that you've got eyes on there and then when as soon as you can, you know, being able to report those back means that you can you can help them, you know, fixing that issue and remedying that problem yep. more quickly, which ultimately for, for any property owner means means dollars saved. Savings. You yep. know, so or you know, it, it 
it means there's you know a safety issue that, that won't cause problems or there's livestock that gets dealt with more quickly and therefore you know it, it might be i don't know it might be an animal that's suffering and you know you then get to do the right thing and maybe the farmer says you know put it down or yep. whatever you know so so you're helping out in other ways that that are um attended to more more readily and more rapidly and and they they help in in a bunch of different ways i suppose yep um but even things like um like i mentioned to you before you know you might rock up to a property where you know you you go onto the property not through the front gate not by the front yep. door you know and it could be the, the place out at Longridge, for example and it's that damn far to the other side of the block but that's the best place to go to hunt that yes. the property yep. owner says hey look next time you're out here um just head route don't worry about calling out and seeing us don't drop into the farmhouse it's all good we know that's you know, a big long way out of the way so just go down to the back block and hook in there and you know camp up or whatever but just let us know when you get here or let us know when you leave you know? it never hurts to ask them to you know if you're going onto a property and you're going remote on that piece of land just yeah. asking them hey is there anything you need us to check while we're down there yeah exactly. you need to take some photos of bore sites or anything like yeah. that so. yeah but um even to the point of of also checking with um, family and friends at home, you know, like messaging messaging the wife or whatever, you know. Look, I've arrived safe. It's all good, you know. And, and like we go out to Mara, and the, and the reception out there is, um, well, put it this way: middle of this year when three G drops out, I think we're going to be in a world of trouble, uh, <laughs> or or it'll be peaceful bliss, <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah. Um, but um, you know. If you're out there on your own, like I have been in the past, and you're walking through Brown Snake Gully and you see that brown snake, <laughs> yeah. you sort of think, "Shit, I wish I had better reception." So long run back to the house with a snake bite. Exactly. So, yeah, reporting in and letting people know what your intentions are, um, whether you're leaving early when you've got there late or whatever it is, um, is you know is always uh, a good idea. Even like uh, in in the first episode of this podcast when I talked about. I was out there hunting with Barry and Dave, and and we had a kip one afternoon, and um, the two, um, the other two guys, they were they were all like lights out, they were just like snoring away and carrying on, um, and I got up and went for a hunt, but I left a note on the table, yeah, yeah. to say where I was going and what I was doing, and yep. sort of when I expected to be back, um, because I knew there was there was no reception, there's no way of actually contacting them otherwise. And, you know, something happened to me while I was out there. They wouldn't have a clue where to start looking. Exactly. It comes back to that um, spatial awareness too, doesn't it? Like if those guys wake up, you're not there, they decide to go out and hunt, you're out there in your Brackenware camo, which is invisible. Invisible. Um, <laughs> um, you know, you put yourself in danger too. So Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. Um, ChatGPT says, communication is key in hunting ethics. Always report back to property managers with... Any unusual or concerning observations while hunting by sharing information and collaborating with landowners, we contribute to the overall health and sustainability of our hunting grounds. Spot on again. So one of the things that has just sprung to mind too is not only that, but just what you touched on there is communicating with each other. Yep. Um, being that when you're um, stalking or going to shoot something or, you're splitting up and you're walking, you know, either side of a waterhole or you might go down different creek lines and stuff like that. Yep. Um, being aware, you know, a little bit more paramount if you're using firearms, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not I suppose, it just is because, you know, projectiles can go a lot further than than, than bullets, sorry, than arrows. Yep. Um, 
but that sort of communication too and sticking to what you agreed that you would do and where you would end up. Yeah, I think um, absolutely, 100% critical. Um, it was probably one of the things that I was most anxious about the first few times we went out hunting. Um, I guess the advantage for us was we have known each other for 30 odd years and um, so, you know, that just means I ignore most of what you say. Correct. <laughs> Jeez, somebody just realised that. So. Uh, but you, you you do tend to you know you know each other's body language cues and things like that. Um, I've often thought to myself that if I was to go out with someone I wasn't used to hunting with, I'd need to definitely establish a set of ground rules and a set of signals and things like that. Yeah, for sure. But um, usually from the other side of the gully, when you're flipping me the bird, I know I've done something wrong. So. <laughs> Just after you stood on that big stick. Correct. <laughs> or slammed the door in the ute. <laughs> well, yes. Yes. <laughs> I did say I was a new hunter. <laughs> we had to um, We had to tell Dave that when we went out too. I said, Barry, tell Dave not to slam the door. <laughs> yes. Property managers rely on the insights and observation of hunters to monitor health of ecosystems and address any potential threats or issues. Well, they don't rely on it, but it definitely helps. Um, it can be insightful, I suppose. Whether it's evidence of poaching, signs of habitat destruction, or the presence of invasive species, every piece of information helps and paint. Sorry, helps paint a clearer picture of what's happening on the land. That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you've, you notice gates, you know, um, damaged or, or whatever, and you know, signs of, of people who shouldn't be there. Yep. Damaged equipment or, or stolen equipment or yeah. that sort of stuff. You know, hundred percent. Um, again, big properties, they can't be everywhere all the time. It happens more than I think probably people care to realise on big western stations and things yep. like that, yeah. Yep. Um, the next time you're out hunting and come across something unusual or concerning, don't hesitate to report it back to property managers. You're not just fulfilling your duty as a responsible hunter and a good human, you're also contributing to the collective effort to ensure the health and sustainability of our hunting grounds for years to come. There's a theme here, Brett. Yes, and it's all about building trust. 100%. Yeah. Point number eight. We're flying along. Friday afternoon, it's beer o'clock. <laughs> Priority of safety. Well, we've come back to safety. That must be something under my, underpinning the whole conversation here. Funny how, um, you know, when you're playing with projectiles, bullets and arrows, that safety comes into it twice. That's it. Well, this, this one's a slightly different slant to the, the safety we talked about earlier. Uh, this particular point from ChatGPT talks about the safety of all individuals. Alcohol and firearms are a dangerous combination. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this point has come about because multiple times during the points that um, the people posted, excuse me, on um, social media, there was comment about um, that their their rule and the rule that they adhere to, the rule they were brought up with, or whatever was firearms go away, the alcohol comes out, mm-hmm. and not one or two before or mix. Um, no no, no drinking while the firearms are out. You know, as soon as the beer comes out, as soon as the rum gets cracked, the firearms get put in the case, yep. and that's it. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, from memory, we've done that every time. Usually. Usually. <laughs> well, we haven't, we haven't combined open alcohol Oh shit! No, no, no. Yeah, and that's that's been a no-brainer for us. And again, I I think that probably harks back to both of our professions too, where alcohol's to be respected. Yeah, that's it, hundred percent. 
yeah, I think yeah, you mix dangerous things with with yeah, yeah inebriating substances. Yeah, you're asking for a bit of trouble. Yeah, um, but at the same time too, you know, I think that um, that's that that's, it's a recipe that could land you in you know you know out of favour with the with the property owner yeah. if you end up being a, a dickhead cowboy and yeah. you know hooting about and shooting and drinking and carrying on. I think. Um, back to like the safety aspect again too. Um, alcohol aside, I think it's always been really important for us to to be uh, alert and well when you're out there hunting. Um, you know, there's I don't I don't recall a time where I've ever been hungover or anything like that. You know, like um, particularly when you are dealing with when I mean, we're mainly dealing with bows when we're out there, yep. but we have had firearms on occasion. Um, and I think being alert and being present of mind and not being affected by heavy fatigue or anything like that is critical um, in those instances too because um, you've seen it, I've seen it in day-to-day life. Um, people do make mistakes when they're tired and the consequences sometimes are tragic. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, and on top of it all too, and I've, I've, I've said for however many years I've been hunting now, you know, I, I can sit at home and drink a can in an afternoon if I want. Yeah. yeah. You know, I and then you know wake up with a hangover the next day and feel like shit. Well, yeah. why would I want to do that when I'm hunting? It's not while we're out there. You know, uh, we take you supply the alcohol. <laughs> I won't allude to Brett's profession, for, but for, for reference, <laughs> I do work in the alcohol industry. Yes, it's <laughs> why I keep you around. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, obviously, we have we have some beers, we have some rum, we have some port, whatever it is we're having. But at the same time, you know, um, it's not. It's not fun to try and get up and go for a hunt the next day. It's it's never to excess. I think um, the party animals that you and I have become in our oh, twenties, um, <laughs> uh, we're generally on those hunts. We're generally in bed by nine thirty. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like even in the past, I've I've been to archery comps and shoots and stuff like that, and I remember one very very clearly. It was um, down at the Gold Coast. And uh, my mate Dave, uh, who I mentioned in um, a previous podcast, who lived in New York, uh, when he was living in Australia, we we went to this went to this shoot. And uh, Dave's ex-military. Uh, I spent some time in the Army Reserves, and the Saturday night on this shoot, we rocked up to the, the club bar, and the guy behind the bar was also an ex, or it was a veteran. Yep. And we just got talking bits and pieces and whatnot, and and that we're doing two two dollar. Um, what were they? Is that the dog next door barking? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was uh, Jimmy and Coke or rum and Coke or something. I can't remember what it was, but basically you'd have a swig out of the top of your can and then you'd top it up. Top it up. It was two yeah. bucks. Yep. And the guy's name was Adrian. And he's like, oh, you know, I'll look after you boys. You'll be right here. Have this, you know, crack this one, have a swig and I'll top it up. And swig. We'd scull it. We wouldn't have a swig. <laughs> and then he'd top it up. And by the time the night had finished, Went and laid down in the tent, and I swear there was just waves going, and yeah. I was lying on the ground, you know, um, getting up to try and shoot and concentrate the next day in like thirty-two degree heat was just, yeah, and that was just archery, place. you know, and yeah. and I'm just trying to shoot a bow at a target, not trying to actually hunt, yep. you know, yep. um, and yeah, and that was just shit. <laughs> well, you know, and you and I experienced it when we were out west a few weeks ago. You know, we we got up at two thirty in the morning to head out to this property. Yeah. Um, and basically kitted up and went straight into the field and um, we were both struggling within two hours. It was bloody hot. Um, it was hot. 
but um, lack of sleep and just sheer fatigue, right. and we were destroyed after two or three hours into the hunt. But yeah. next morning we got up and walked for 18 kilometres without batting an eyelid. Yeah, so. it was rosy. Yeah, we didn't see anything. <laughs> until, until it hit 38 degrees. <laughs> So, safety in this regard, res- responsible consumption of alcohol and the use of firearms or and or hunting implements, you know, even um, sharpening knives and shit when you're yep. in is not a smart idea. Playing with axes. Yep. Yeah, throwing them, all that sort of stuff. Hey, here, hold my beer. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, number nine, respect wildlife. Well, yes. the heart of ethical hunting, respecting wildlife. Yep, yep. Not just the ones you're out there to kill. Uh, so, you know, wildlife as in native flora and fauna, absolutely to be respected at all times. Um, it doesn't matter what we think or how we feel about what kind of numbers they're in. Um, there are rules um, and, and we don't need negative press. That's right. Um, you know, generally we're on properties going after invasive species, pigs, goats, that sort of thing. Um Deer in some areas. Um, I haven't had that privilege yet, but this is where I tell you I've got to hunt at the end of March for red deer <laughs> for a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me and Scotty from uh, Urban to Outland. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll th- I've got to thank Scotty for that one. <laughs> um, just reading, skimming through what ChatGPT has said here um, is very interesting because it talks about um, only taking what's necessary. Yep. That's a point that is written there, and that's, that's something that I think not people don't necessarily consider when they talk about or think about respect for wildlife. I, I would agree with only taking what's necessary if you're not um, assisting with feral, Absolutely. Um, you know, feral culling management. Yep. Um, definitely. I mean, it's a bit different here in Australia where... In the US, they have definitive seasons for elk and things like that. Um, then, yep, absolutely, taking only what you need because they're probably not in plague numbers. Um, and to a degree here in Australia as well, definitely. But um, as I said, it kind of changes a bit if you've got a farmer just wanting you to um, remove as many feral pigs as possible. Oh, for sure. And, and that, that is you know, the other side of the coin, I suppose. Yeah. You know, if you're out there to, to assist in, in reducing numbers, which is a slightly different, um, slightly different intent than, than hunting for a trophy animal, or, or you know, taking a, um, a you know, an, an animal for meat. Yep. Um, there, there is obviously that that onus on us to to assist in managing the the population of ferals where we can. Um, and again, a little bit different with the bow, um, because it tends to be more of a selective tool, very limiting um, yeah. than. Um, than using firearms for the for the same reason and shooting at different things for the same reason. And I think where we talk bows and being selective, um, that's where, and you and I have talked at length about this when we've been out in the field, um, you know, so if you've got the option to take uh, a male, a boar, uh, and leave the sow, then that's obviously what you're going to do. You want to break that breeding cycle. Yeah, and that's, that's part and parcel of, you know, you, you take out one boar or one one male, and you limit its ability to spread its wild oats to multiple yep. females, um, yep. and helping reduce that for yep. for sure. Um, I'm just drawing a complete blank. I was going to say something else. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, 
Um, that's right. Yeah. We're, so we're talking about respect and wildlife, but that also ties in with, um, you know, choosing your ethical shots, you know, and uh, not not shooting um, or not, you know, knowing your own limitations and knowing your own skill sets. And, yep. Um, you know, respecting it to the point where you you bother to learn about what it is that you're hunting, so that you you know where its vital organs lie, you know, and you know not only where they are in the ideal situation with it side on broadside coring away whatever, but where where those organs might be when it's lying down, for example, on its side or or those sorts of things. Yep. Um, you know, all that all that goes towards you know respecting what it is that you're hunting um, to make sure that you, you do the right thing um, with regards to being ethical. And, and, you know, the word ethics has come up a lot um, and, and many times over the years I've had discussions with people about the ethics of hunting and yep. it is a fluid notion. What's ethical for you might not necessarily be something that I consider ethical. can be a hot potato topic. It really can be, yeah. The wiggles in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I know even uh, someone who, you know, new to hunting, so I obviously know a lot of people who don't hunt, don't understand what we do, and mm. um, yeah, sometimes it's better to walk away from a conversation than to, um, you know that old saying, it's um, you shouldn't argue with idiots because they'll just beat you down to their level and outwit you with experience. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just easier to do that. Yeah, the pigeon will strut about and still tell you to beat your chest. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, ethical hunters understand the pewter game is not merely a sport or a pastime. It is a sacred interaction between predator and prey rooted in respect and appreciation for the natural world. It is a recognition of the inherent value of every living creature and commitment to the stewardship of the land. ChatGPT yep. actually wrote a hell of a lot at this point. They ranted for quite a while. I'm impressed. <laughs> in essence, respect for wildlife is not just a moral imperative. It is a guiding principle that shapes their actions as responsible hunters. By embodying this principle in our hunting practices, we honour the intricate web of life. That sounds very much like Optimus Prime, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe they're in cahoots. <laughs> uh, here's a good point. I like this one. The next time you set out on a hunt, remember to approach the task with humility, reverence, and respect for wildlife that calls the land home. It's a little bit more and fuzzy for me, but respecting, sorry, to approach the task with humility. I think that's a good point. Yeah, you know, I think it, if you could walk away from a hunt, um, if you've, you know, if you've, if you killed several animals, you can walk away from that knowing that um, you did. What you did ethically, and um, oh, absolutely, and you don't feel, you know, <laughs> going back to my own experience, when when I got into this a few years ago, um, I didn't know how I was going to go with the whole um, killing of an animal because you know, you know me for a long time, you know I'm a pretty pretty soft touch, I'm a, I'm a pretty soft sort of guy, but um, I think once you're out there and you see good hunters in action, it completely changed my perspective um, to the point now where even though I haven't had a kill with a bow. Um, I have absolutely no no compunction about doing it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and the, the process, you, you know, for each person is different, and the the understanding and the experience is different. But I think at the same time, there there is a hunter out there that doesn't have some kind of humility within that process, yep. um, and and acknowledgement of that humility within it, and what it um, what it causes. Mm-hmm. 
We're at point number 10 already, would you believe? Wow. I think we've been talking shit for, oh, look at that, bang on an hour. <laughs> Fair income. So I like this point. I don't know that it's my favourite point, but it's it's definitely up there in, in the top 10. Oh, look at that. It's number 10 of the top 10. <laughs> Honour the hunt. So yeah. as someone who I, I think has been has been hunting for quite a long time, but has also within that period had some time away for various reasons, um, you know, this this point for me is pretty um pretty uh I can't think of the word. Reverence, not the word I'm looking for, but poignant. To mind. Poignant. There yep. you go. Yep. Booze and words. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> not just a booze sling. He's a walking authority. <laughs> um but yes, it's poignant. And um, you know, being able to to have the option to go hunting and the a, permission to go to a property and or legally be able to do it and you know there's game there and there's you know you have the ability even just to walk to pull back a bow to shoot a firearm you know honoring and being appreciative of all of those things um is is a freaking big deal absolutely sorry to interrupt but you know like my father and i've said in other podcasts my 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 dad was a hunter before I was born, but my dad can't walk without the aid of crutches anymore, so he yeah. can't hunt. Yeah. Yep. You know, like, that's shit. Yeah. You know, because I've been on that many places, I've been to that many properties, I'd be I'd love to bring dad here. And oh. knowing your father too, as I do, yeah. he would still love to be out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, he's 71, two years old. Yeah. Of course he would. He'd still yeah. be out there. Um, yeah. yeah, look, to me, honouring the hunt took on a whole new meaning, um, you know, Coming from a very outdoorsy upbringing, spending a lot of time on farms, um, growing up, spending my school holidays on my grandfather's cane farms and things like that. Um, to then get you know, really trenched down and bogged down in corporate life for 20 odd years where I basically didn't even look over my shoulder, you know, mm-hmm. just, just gave up the outdoors, gave up everything that I loved, four wheel driving, the whole lot. Um, to come back into it, for me, honouring the hunt is that process of me removing myself from life for a while, you know, getting out there. Um, logging off of Facebook and logging into life. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, the mental health benefits that being back outdoors has had for me yeah, for sure. is life-changing, absolutely. Yep. And so, um, and to me also coming back into hunting in my 40s, uh, you know, learning a new set of skills at my age. You know, they always say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but you absolutely can. And um, I never believed that at, what was I at the time, probably 42 when I picked up a compound bow again, mm. um, that I'd discover a passion at that age that would completely overtake my perspective on what I wanted to do when I went away and things like that to, to the point now where you and I have spent a lot of time talking about this and early in the piece you were showing me what to look for, where pigs had been wallowing and that sort of thing. Um, where I find even when I'm working now, and I spend a lot of time on the highways in western areas, I do a lot of outback Queensland driving, um, and you're looking at those creek crossings going, there's been pigs in there. Yeah, so. that's it. I wonder what's over that hill. Yeah, I wonder what's around exactly. that corner. Just <laughs> that ridge line. I reckon there'd be something hiding in that standard tree. So, um, yeah, so definitely honouring the hunt just... We're so lucky in this country that we do have the oh. ability just to get outdoors and just enjoy what we have because it's bloody amazing. Oh, and and again, you know, the more you sort of um, over the years you learn about hunting overseas and stuff, and uh, you know the fact that in almost every state in this country, for almost every species, 
you can pick up a bow, you can pick up a rifle, and you can go and hunt it now. Yep. Yeah. Not tomorrow. You can go hunt it now. Yeah. We're you know? not waiting for a date. No. Yeah. We don't have to lock in a season. We don't have to, you know, um, to worry about tags or permits or any of that sort of stuff for the vast majority of yep. what, what we can access and where we can access. Yeah. Yep. Um, to, to be able to do that in and you look around at the world and, you know, like uh, in one of my earlier episodes when I, when I talked with Rog when I was in Colorado, he had a week to hunt elk. Yeah. That was it. Per year, he's, he had got, a week. We've got fifty-two weeks of the year. That's right. You know, um, and yes, it's getting harder in some states in Australia now mm. to pursue it. But um, while we can, you know, we need to get out there and honour it. That's it, and and we need to, you know, where we can make the point known that, um, you know, that the the point you touched on before, and the fact that we hunt feral animals, mm. you know, to restrict or remove or take away or somehow tighten the screws on those freedoms. And I say freedoms not in the, you know, flag waving freedom type manner, but the the, the lack of restrictions. To yep. put restrictions on those things is doing a disservice to the native flora and fauna of Australia. Well, I think even recently, and it surprised you and I, I know we both jumped on Facebook and were passing it back and forth at the time. We actually had a article that was taken up by a bunch of newspapers in Queensland where they highlighted the guys out there, professional oh, hunters. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was done in a really positive light. Yeah, it so, was. It's quite um, which was, yeah, Luke and I were sort of, you know, both taken aback going, are we sure this is real? It's not the 1st of April. So, um, but it's actually fantastic that there's people now having that conversation. And um, other than a few negative comments that I saw on socials, overwhelmingly, people were generally supportive of yeah, the articles. Yeah, 100%. And and we're saying we didn't realise what these guys were doing. Thank yeah. you for what you do. And yeah, so you know, I think if we can get more support like that, then it then it um, makes the sport and the and the and the passion a lot easier for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. If we could, if we could somehow, particularly in Queensland, manage to get the state government on board with regards to legislation and public lands, that'd that'd be an absolute game changer. Yeah. So what does ChatGPT say about point ten on the hunt? It says, finally, let us always honour the hunt. <laughs> I want to say, I was, I can't say it in Optimus Prime's voice. Trust me, I tried. It's pathetic. But that sounds like it should be said by Optimus Prime, doesn't it? <laughs> maybe, maybe he can come back in another episode and, and tell us all about honouring the hunt. Show appreciation to landowners by offering reimbursement, such as meat, money, or assistance with property upkeep. By demonstrating gratitude and respect, we strengthen the bonds of community and ensure the continued privilege of hunting on private land. Honour the hunt encapsulates the final commandment of responsible hunting, a call to show appreciation and respect for the privilege of hunting. The principle emphasises the importance of recognising the contribution of landowners and fostering positive relationships with the hunting community. A slightly different slant of what we've just been talking about. It is, but it, it actually makes a couple of really good points. It does. And uh, I like one, we say it, not he or she yeah, or yeah. they or <laughs> them or. <laughs> um, as you were reading out the bit about, um, you know, respecting landowners and things like that. And it made me think of, um, you know, if you're going hunting, so you and I have hunted together a few times, our ethical values when it comes to hunting pretty much align. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I wouldn't say pretty much, they do align. Um, and I think when you're going onto properties, I think, it's important if you're going to introduce someone to a property that you're hunting on that you have to you have to be that way. That's right, um, and that's that's more or less a way of honouring the landowner and that too by making sure that you're only taking like-minded people on who aren't going to do the wrong thing and 
you know, show other people the property when you're not there and that sort of thing. So. Yeah. Moreover, honouring the hunt is not just about giving back to landowners, it is also about preserving the privilege of hunting on private land for future generations by showing ourselves to be respectful stewards of the land to ensure the tradition of hunting and private property continues. So, again, there's a theme here. It it's, keeps coming through. Uh, and I think we've, we've covered off on safety as a theme. We've covered off on, you know, doing the right thing by the property owners. Yep. And for me, the biggest one that it's, it's covered off on has been respect. Yeah, I and I think all that. of that comes back to respect. 100%. Yeah. Yep. And if... Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It, I mean, it does. Absolutely. Just, yeah. There's there's really no ifs, buts, or maybes, is there? You know, like um, respect for the landowner, respect for the animal, respect for ourselves as hunters too, and yeah. the reputation that we're portraying when we're out there. Um, yeah. You know. And in conclusion, hey, you're gonna like this. <laughs> you're gonna love this. This is really good. <laughs> as hunters, we are entrusted with the stewardship of our natural world in the vast tapestry of hunting ethics. This is optimus. There's a Decepticon sitting somewhere waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Starscream might come out and visit us, eh? The vast tapestry of hunting ethics, one common thread runs through each of the Ten Commandments, and that is respect. Respect for the land, the property owner, the animals, the game, the environment, the necessary safety precautions, the honour of the hunt, our hunting partners. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) You said you'd respect me in the morning, Brett. (laughs) And the privilege to the hunt. At its core, hunting is not just about pursuing game. It's about cultivating a deep reverence for the natural world and all its inhabitants. It's about recognising our role as stewards of the land and embracing the responsibility that comes with it. Respect is the guiding principle that shapes our actions as hunters. It compels us to tread lightly on the earth, to treat wildlife with dignity and compassion, and to uphold the values of integrity and ethical conduct in all our pursuits. We're going to come back to integrity in a minute. By adhering to the Ten Commandments of hunting, chiseled in stone by Moses on the mountain, <laughs> we not only ensure... Was it Moses or Abraham? I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> You're better than me. <laughs> we not only ensure the safety and well-being of ourselves and others, but also contribute to the preservation of our hunting heritage for future generations. We honour the legacy of those who came before us. Huge point. I think it's, it's a good one. Uh, and pave the way for those who will follow in our footsteps. Well, I've got my father to thank for hunting for me and hopefully my kids, should they wish, will be able to hunt long after I'm gone. Ultimately, respect is the foundation upon which the hunting community is built. It fosters camaraderie, strengthens bonds and unites us in a shared commitment to the values that define us as ethical hunters. So, as we venture forth into the wilderness, let us carry with us the spirit of respect in all that we do. Let us honour the land, the animals and each other, knowing that by doing so, we uphold the timeless tradition of hunting and ensure its legacy for generations to come. Well, it's pretty hard to argue with, isn't it? Really? I couldn't argue with a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Nor would I want to. <laughs> it would drag me down and beat me to its level. <laughs> We've all seen Terminator. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like I said, that's about respect. Under, yeah, yeah. Undermining the whole lot, underpinning the whole lot is, yep. is respect, you know, and um, respecting the process, respecting the, the everything. I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, as we we are starting to come out into the spotlight a bit more, and I think that's just because there are more hunters out there on social media and, and people sort of, I guess, 
cataloging what they're doing and that sort of thing. Um, So we always need to be mindful that we're being respectful, um, maintaining that level of integrity um, because it's very easy for people to cast us in a negative light uh, when that's not what we're trying to achieve. And that's the big, that's, you know, the the point I wanted to go back to before, you know, um, I'm just trying to skim the, skim the um, text, find the words that it said, but it's eluding me right now and I haven't even had anything to drink yet. Um, (laughs) But, ah, here we go. Uphold the values of integrity and ethical conduct, you know, and integrity is a good one because integrity is doing the right thing even when there's no one there to see you do it. Absolutely. You know, and at the end of the day, um, when you're out in the bush and it's just you, um, and and you know maybe you and your mate or whatever, but still, yep. let's just say it's just you and just you on your own, then there's nothing but your own integrity to uphold or hold yourself to the other nine, the other ten commands, those things we just talked about. Yep. yep. Um, and 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 I think that integrity and respect, integrity to do the right thing by the property owner when he's not there looking over his shoulder, yep. by the animals that, you know, um, you're supposed to be respecting. Um, oh, no one's going to care if, oh, no one's going to know if I gut shot this thing. Well, yeah. you know, you're going to know, it's going to know and you're going to yeah. be an asshole for doing it. It's a hundred times easier to get into the habit of doing the right thing than covering your ass once. Oh, that's it, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's a, but then, you know, integrity, like it says, they're, as well, you know, touched on before, integrity and respect. I, you know, and that's that's I think too applied to the person you're hunting with. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yep. we have that because we yep. we know we have that. If we didn't have that, well, we wouldn't be mates with each other. Yep. Um, but you know that that goes without saying between us. However, you know, like you said before, you meet different people and they have different standards, different ethics, yes. and yep. sometimes. They don't align, yep. and you know that's that's not always ideal, um, as as we've experienced, I suppose. But um, yeah, I think yeah, I think the Ten Commandments came out pretty good in the end. Yeah, I, I I like it. I think they're all really relevant. I don't think, off the top of my head, there probably isn't anything I would add to them, to be honest. Other than just again, comes back to respect. Go out there and do the right thing. That's it. So I'll go through them again just to summarise. We had safety first. We had respect for property. Ethical shots. Leave no trace. Number five was gate etiquette. Biosecurity awareness. Reporting back or communication. Priority of safety again. That was a slightly different slant of priority of safety. Respecting wildlife and honouring the hunt. And um, yeah, I think they're a good top ten. Absolutely. Yeah. You'll say that nothing but rubbish comes from Probably social media. Be, um, <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad top 10 for a new hunter to have in their arsenal, to be honest. Yeah, you know. Code to live by. Which, you know, if, if you're a decent human being, you're probably living your life like that already. Be anyway. a good human. Yeah. Be, be a, good a good human. That's yeah. it. And, and, you know, you could delve into those a little bit more if you wanted to specialise, I suppose, with regards to um, Things like, you know, if you want to talk more specifically about firearms, more specifically about um, bow hunting and, for example, using razor-sharp broadheads, you know, yep. um, using the right calibre for the right game um, and that sort of thing. Or, you know, how, how perhaps you, you your conduct with your, your dogs when you're, mm-hmm. you're out chasing pigs and things like that. And there, they could be interesting topics for future podcasts. Yeah, definitely. Um, certainly talk about that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, delve down a little bit more deeply into each one if you really wanted. 
Oh, I kind of liked embracing chat GPT. So <laughs> Give me some good shit to talk about on Friday afternoon. Ah, oh, so what do you reckon? I reckon we've uh, just solved the problems of the world with Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. <laughs> yep. We better, better write to them and let them know the world that is. Because <laughs> the 12 people listening to this podcast probably <laughs> won't be enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it is now 20 past three, Friday afternoon. And um, I think I think my lovely wife will be home from work soon. So. <laughs> I should look like I've been doing something destructive for the day. <laughs> Instead of sitting on the couch talking shit. All right. All right. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Freddie. Thanks, mate. Thanks. And, um, pleasure to be here. I'm pretty sure you'll, you'll be back in, in future episodes. Yeah. Hopefully with a uh, couple of trophies up my sleeve soon. Well, that's it. We'll be able to detail your, your escapades yep. and successes and hopefully not many, not too many more laughing about when Murphy turns up. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that's no, good to have you on. Thanks, mate. And um, we haven't actually logged in a date for another one yet, but we will have to do that. Absolutely. Um, see if we can get out. Um, I guess I can. I haven't. I don't think I've let you know that my holiday block's been moved forward a month. So. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, my happy days are my guess. Yeah. Sooner than as long as it's not 38 degrees and 90% blind in humidity this time. <laughs> Again. Bloody mosquitoes the size of yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool beans. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate Thanks, it. Be a good chat. Um, we'll definitely be in the future. Awesome. Thanks. Luke.